0: How's everybody doing? Yeah, hurry up, whites. We're we're a little lopsided this way. We need you to join in to balance the sides. There we go. Good. Glad to see your faces this morning, smiling. And the thing I have noticed for for the mask wearing stuff, right? You can't see their face, but you can see those eyes. And I don't know if you've had a better opportunity to really start reading people's eyes better. And you can see that little squint. And you can still see them smiling when those eyes start squinting. It's kind of fun to to get to know people a little bit differently, right? Uh, so it's, it's been good to see smiling faces, whether mouths or eyes, and we're glad uh, to see all of them. Uh, but we are glad that you're here this morning. Got uh, a sticky note full of announcements for you, so hopefully you're paying attention and listening this morning. For starters, uh, today we're having our adult Bible, or adult Bible studies, kind of, adult Sunday school classes uh, following this service at 10 o'clock upstairs and down, so please uh, avail yourself of that. Uh, this will be the last week that that takes place like that, because next week all the classes are coming back. All right. So if you are in those two adult classes, I guess it is still the same. You're going to continue to go to those rooms, but we're going to add uh, our third adult Bible. Or why do I keep going Bible study? Because that's the focal point, right, of Sunday school. Our Bible's good. Uh, But we're going to have our third adult Sunday school class, and then our students and kids are going to be getting back together as well, starting next week, the 20th. All Sunday school classes, those will take place at 9 o'clock, or excuse me, 10 o'clock. Also at 10 o'clock, we're going to have the nursery available during the Sunday school hour, and nursery will remain available through the 11 o'clock service. So those of you here at 9 o'clock, you get to keep them with you um, and go from there. Also next week, our second hour classes for our uh, young kids will be taking place during the 11 o'clock hour. So we're... Getting pretty much uh, as much of that stuff uh, started off next week as we possibly can. So take note of those if they apply to you as a parent or as a student or kid. We have uh, some new member candidates that are going to be meeting with our deacons following the 11 o'clock service. So if you're a deacon or one of those candidates, uh, remember that for uh, following the 11 o'clock service. Next week, I said, we're going to have Sunday school. And then the week after that, the 27th, we're going to have missionaries, the postumas with us. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that and hear about the ministry that's going on in Romania. Youth group started uh, here at the church last Wednesday from 6 to 8 throughout all of September. The teens are going to be meeting here on Wednesdays from 6 to 8, and then starting October the 7th, the first Wednesday in October, our Awana program will begin. And uh, there's some different things with that. Uh, The main thing that's going to be different is our our time frame. Awana and also youth group is going to jump to this time frame as well. Uh, We'll be meeting from 6.30 to 7.30, so it'll be a one-hour Wednesday program, We're going to postpone the games for the time being, uh, just because there's a lot of equipment getting handled by a lot of different people at that point in time. And uh, I didn't find any volunteers to uh, have Clorox wipes and spray everything down every single round. So we figured we'd just uh, postpone that for the time being. But 6.30 to 7.30 will be Awana and youth group starting in October. We have uh, some of our uh, faith family have uh, moved uh, we've got uh, the hills have uh, Caleb and Jen have moved a little bit further south uh, and uh, as well as the Spencers have moved to South Dakota and uh, Bill Erbacher is also going to move uh, with some of his family to South Dakota and uh, is currently here getting things packed up and on Tuesday afternoon he is seeking some help so if anybody here is uh, available on Tuesday afternoon to help bill pack up the u-haul trailer uh, please give him a call he can give you details on where to go and exactly what time that's going to be. But uh, he's going to be packing up on Tuesday afternoon. The uh, last thing I have on here is, uh, you may remember a number of years ago, we went to a Tigers game for home plate uh, to enjoy uh, watching the, the players share their testimonies and things of that nature. Uh, this year, theirs is today. So I'm inviting everybody to participate. You can do it from home, right? There's a link uh, on our Friday email. There's also a link I'm going to send out here uh, today uh, to that. They're still going to do it, and there's a, a number of players that are going to share their testimony. So at 7 o'clock tonight, if you're uh, feeling up to it, you can log in and click on that uh, link and watch as uh, our local ball club. Uh, it's not the, the game itself, but you can enjoy watching uh, as uh, a number of our professional players still uh, are Followers of Jesus Christ, I want to share that publicly. So that will be a good time tonight if you are interested. Other than that, I'm wearing all blue today on purpose. I don't generally wear tennis shoes on a Sunday morning, but that's all I had that was blue. Uh, we just found out on Thursday we're going to have a boy. There's going to be a boy in my house, so I am no longer outnumbered. Clap for me, please. Thank you. Right. But uh, we're excited for that, and we're excited to add another uh, little kid to the, the fold here as well. So anyway, just uh, thank you for uh, rejoicing in that with us. We're excited. Uh, at this point, Tom and going ask Pastor Mark to come. He's going to share a couple other things and then uh, challenge us from God's Word.
1: If you're visiting with us today, there's a, a Connect card. what we call it on our... Uh, Welcome Center in the foyer, and we'd love to know of your attendance with us today. And for all who are here today, if there's anything we can pray for you uh, this week, uh, you can fill out one of those cards and put it in the, the offering box that's also located on the Welcome Center. Uh, a prayer request for you before we uh, get going here. I got a call this morning from uh, Sue Bell. That would be um, Dean and Sandy Bell's uh, daughter daughter-in-law. Um, both of their daughters have contracted uh, covid nineteen and are currently in the hospital. Um, Heather is uh, in the ER at least as of this morning she was and Jacqueline was pregnant, and um, they had to incubate her and do a c section to take the baby so at this point uh, everyone 's okay, but uh, obviously some concerns there and so we pray for uh, Jacqueline and Heather, the rest of the family. Uh, Sue can't go to the hospital because she was exposed to them as well. So uh, she can't uh, be there. So be praying for them. Uh, this is not their first family member who has uh, had COVID. Um, so uh, difficult times for them. we we'll to be praying for uh, healing and help uh, for them during this time. Uh, before we pray for them, um, I would invite you to stand with me. And uh, we're going to read God's word, and then we'll open our time in prayer. Our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, reads as follows James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Would you pray with me? God, we come this morning uh, to you as we begin our time together uh, in worship. Worship through uh, prayer, through your word, and through song. God, we ask that you would be glorified in our time together. We ask that you would teach us from your word, that your spirit would open our eyes to see what we need to see today. And we'll give you the praise for that. God, we pray for the Bell family today. We ask for grace for Heather and for Jacqueline and this new baby. God, we pray that you would uh, protect both of them. We are thankful that they're getting care that they need at this time. We pray that it would be uh, effective in its uh, Uh, in in, in the care and that they would uh, receive a healing uh, quickly Uh, and relief. God, we pray for that. Uh, We ask for your your help for them uh, to uh, trust you during this time. pray for Sue who's uh, dealing probably with a lot of anxiety of not being able to be with them and her daughters and granddaughter. God, we ask for for grace uh, for her as well. We pray for continued uh, protection. Uh, for our church and for our people, and uh, we entrust ourselves to you in all things. We ask your blessing now again in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And if you have a Bible, we do invite you to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Uh, 2020. Has been and continues to be quite a year. That might be the understatement of the day, right? Uh, a crazy, crazy year. Uh, I think that it's safe to say uh, that we all, everyone here uh, this morning, can relate uh, with having experienced uh, some sort of, of of trial or or hardship uh, this year, right? Um, whether it has has been from the COVID nineteen crisis uh, or Or other issues, right? And uh, there are other issues other than the the coronavirus. We know that. And some of us have experienced uh, difficult things unrelated uh, to that crisis. Uh, Whether those experiences uh, of trials and tribulations came from outside of us or temptations and attack from inside. So trials outside, spiritual warfare inside. uh, What we do know is through faith there is victory. We are not hopeless. We are not uh, without help. We're not without hope. Uh, there is victory that can be had over tribulation and over temptation. Uh, now, we, we may wonder uh, to ourselves, maybe you've experienced this. Uh, maybe you do it to yourself or maybe you do it out loud too. Uh, in the midst of experiences like this, you might be tempted to say or to say, God, wh- why is this? Insert Trouble, right? Why is this happening? Right? right. Ever ask that question? Right? Have an experience, have a difficulty, have a trial, have a tribulation, have a temptation, and say, God, God why is this happening to me? Now, sometimes uh, that question can be more of an accusation, can it? God, why would you do this to me? We shake our fists. Or it could be a genuine plea. A broken heart that says to god god i don 't understand, help me understand why, why would you allow this to happen that 's an honest question and god is god 's good with our questions he 's okay with us asking those questions. Maybe you have been there, maybe you are there maybe you 're there this morning. You can be assured that at some points in your life you will be there. If you haven't been yet, and even if you have, the reality is you probably will go there again at some point. Now, uh, this morning, we want to look at James chapter 1. And we can see here in these verses what Ward Wiersbe calls four essentials for victory in our trials. Four essentials for victory in our trials. And we're going to see this uh, by pointing out four particular words and the four words are, are words that are called an imperative or a command there 's four words, and we we'll, we 'll see each one as we go through it let 's look at verse two to begin In verse two says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So the first imperative is the word count uh, or to consider uh, the, the first verse of the book of James here tells us uh, who the writer is, right James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we find out that the James, or we know that James is the half-brother of Jesus. There's a number of Jameses in the Bible. Uh, this one is the half-brother of Jesus, sometimes called James the Just. Uh, we heard of him even through our study in uh, Galatians a couple years, two years ago. Uh, we saw him in the book of Acts as well. Uh, he became a leader in a pillar of the early church. Uh, we find out the Gospels that he, uh, along with his family, once rejected Jesus as the Messiah. He didn't always uh, agree that Jesus was who he says he was. But eventually he comes to faith in Jesus. Um, Jesus he sees the risen Christ in, uh, after, after Jesus uh, arose from the dead. We see that in First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, James wrote this book not that long after Jesus was crucified some 20, 20 years or something like that, uh, which makes it one of the, the more early books, the earlier books of of the Bible that were written. And so this is uh, pretty, pretty close to the time uh, people who knew Jesus would have uh, been still alive when this book was written. And he wrote it to, verse one tells us, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Uh, the 12 tribes is another way of saying uh, the Jews. Really, it, it's, a, it's a title um, it's a title for, uh, for the Jews. Um, and he says these, these Jews, or these 12 tribes, are in the dispersion. Uh, that's a way of saying those who were living outside of Palestine, uh, those people who had been scattered, dispersed. Um, we find out that this dispersion is probably what Acts chapter 12 talks about with King Agrippa. In the persecution that existed in the early church, that spread out Christians, that they 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 dispersed, they scattered abroad. So here in verse two, James calls these people those in the dispersion, those scattered from persecution. These these people, he calls them brothers. Count it all joy, my brothers, my brethren, my fellow Christians, my my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And he tells them uh, to have a joyful attitude. Uh, in, their, in their trials. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. One paraphrase says, consider it a sheer gift. Or another translation, uh, paraphrase of that translation, consider trials an opportunity for joy. Uh, this is not to say, by the way, that we go out and seek out trials. We're not seeking uh, to experience hardship. But when they do come, and they do come, uh, we ought to recognize that that's it's an ex- expectation of the Christian life that the Christian life does involve trials. First Peter four, Peter writes to Christians, persecuted Christians, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter five, Philippians three, that this is a reality, that that suffering is a reality. As you hear James talk about uh, joy and trials, or joy in trials, using those two things in the same sentence, that may seem strange. That that seemed a little counterintuitive to to our sensibilities, doesn't it? That that you would somehow think of trials and think of joy. But James was not alone in this thinking. Listen to a few of these verses. Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Or Acts chapter 5 verse 41, after they had endured... punishment from the religious leaders, the apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 4, I'm acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort and in all our afflictions, affliction, I am overflowing with joy. One more, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding abiding one here we see what we're seeing here is the response of a joyful attitude is essential for the victory in our trials but how do we get there Right? How do we get there? It's one thing to say that, but how do we actually get there? How do we actually experience joy in the trial? How could that be our response? How could that be our attitude? Well, when James says it this way, he says, count it all joy. He's saying, consider or to evaluate. Word Wiersbe uh, says this, value determines evaluation. So in order to evaluate something, you need to know what your values are. Your values will determine your evaluation. So stick with me here. Think about this. As we think about this in relationship to joy in trials, we can understand this. The difference between our values and God's values will determine how well we understand and find joy in our trials. Or said a little bit differently... The frustration with life and trials is often because our agenda our goals our values are different than God's agenda. His goals and values. We want uh, immediate gratification. right? We want what we want, when we want it, we want it right now. God just doesn't play that game. You're old enough to know that. God has a long game in view. His vision for our life is not immediate gratification. We want comfort. We want to be comfortable. We want ease of life. We want to take away all the hurdles. We want to take away anything that would impede or make things more difficult. But God, God wants transformation. He wants your heart. Uh, Paul Tripp puts it this way. God isn't, well does he? Let me see if I have this quote. My apologies. Let's go here. Here it is. God isn't so much working to transform our circumstances as he is working through hard circumstances to transform you and me. That's a bit of a different understanding, isn't it? Sometimes we want God to change our circumstances. And maybe what God is doing there is not about changing your circumstances, but about changing you. Our value determines our evaluation. Our problem is in part that we don't value what he values. We are often far too short-sighted. Paul says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we ask, what do you value? What do you value? God is at work in all these various kinds of trial, or these many and different kinds of trial. And there's joy to be found in God's work in your life. Uh, James continues here to unfold why we can count it all joy in verse 3 when he says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So our second word here is the word know. The second imperative. First imperative is to count or to consider. The second one is to know. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So... We count it all joy. Why? Because what we know. What do we know? That the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. So trials in verse 2 and testing of your faith in verse 3 are the same thing. right? So when we talk about trials, what we need to understand is what we're really saying is that God is trying or testing your faith. Some of your Bibles say the trying of your faith. That's what God is doing in these trials. He's testing our faith for what? For a purpose. To produce something, James says. What is He producing? Steadfastness. The product of our testing is the reason for the joy. God is testing our faith to make it genuine. Uh, Peter says this 1 Peter 1 6 and 7. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is at work in our trials for a greater purpose than we can see. Uh, trials are meant by God to bring out the best. And, and we can know this. We, we can understand that this is what God is up to. We actually can understand this. James is saying, we know that this is what God is doing. We know that through trials, he's producing. Here specifically, he's saying steadfastness or endurance. Or there's another word for this patience. Oh, patience. We all squirm a little bit at that God might be working in us to produce in us patience. Patience is said to be the courageous perseverance. It means learning to wait on the Lord, learning to trust and to obey. Patience, we find, is the desired outcome of the trials, of the testing, which tells us that we do not learn patience or endurance without testing. You don't get patience without trial. Now, you and I may think to ourselves, but I don't I don't like that option. <laughs> I'd like a different option. I'd like to learn patience without trial. There was a, a day when our first daughter was was quite small and uh, we were reasoning with her um, through some instruction and in discipline and we gave her two options and she didn't like either one of the options. And we say, well, these are your options. She goes, I don't like my options. Look, I'm sorry, those are the options. <laughs> so here we come to this and we, we find that the way to have patience is through suffering it's through trial it's through the testing of your faith You may say well i don't i don't like that but consider consider something consider physical exercise how do you how do you get strong there there has to be some measure of tension or stress or pressure that that you put your body through in order that your muscles grow and that you become stronger that's the way it works it, it doesn't work any other way. There, there must be. There must be uh, a struggle. You don't get strength without the struggle. Similarly, you don't get patience without the trials. James continues, to, uh, continues on in verse 4. And we see that spiritual growth requ- requires something from us in verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our third word there is the word let. We must submit to God. We must let steadfastness have its full effect. We must surrender our will. We must let the work of God do what the work of God is meant to do. Uh, our resistance to God undermines the progress of the work of God in our life, which is to make us more mature. And he gives us two things here in this verse, that you may be perfect and complete. Uh, perfect, uh, maybe a better word for us would be mature. Uh, perfect, uh, for, for our, most of our thinking, uh, has this idea of perfection. Or sinlessness. And certainly that is not what James is talking about. James is not saying that somehow you go through a trial and now you're sinless or now you're perfect. That, that obviously is, goes against other parts of the Bible that tell us that we will not be in a glorified state until we are in a glorified state. right? Until we receive a glorified body. So mature. That you may be mature and complete or completely devoted in your faith. And these two things together, he concludes with uh, the rest of verse, uh, verse four says, lacking nothing or wanting nothing. This is spiritual maturity, being complete, being mature, lacking nothing. One commentator calls this maturity and completeness in Christian character. Maturity and completeness in Christian character. We could understand this to be the work of God called sanctification. Right? How God is working in our life through circumstance, through trial, through difficulty, in order that we might become more like Jesus. In order that we might be conformed or formed more into the image of Jesus. Let, let, let. Let steadfastness have its full effect. This is submission. This is active. It is not passive. Uh, By letting it have its full effect, we are willfully, joyfully surrendering. Surrendering what we want, our little imperfect wills, to his plan for our life. Believing that he knows better than we do. Believing that he's good. Believing that what he is doing is for our good. But do we believe that? Do we actually believe that? To, to, let, to let steadfastness have its full effect is to say, God, what you're doing is producing in me what I need most. And if, I'm willing, if I believe that, then, then I'm actually going to submit myself to, to you. Which means I'm submitting myself to, to not only to God in, in a general sense, but I'm submitting myself to his word. And so if you submit yourself to his word, then then that means what he says goes. That means what he commands, we do. What he forbids, we don't do. What he calls sin, we agree. What he says is true, we believe. That means we don't get to take a pass on parts of the Bible. The Bible isn't loose leaf. It's bound for a reason. These are the words of God for us. What he says, we believe and we follow. This surrender, this this letting the steadfastness have its full effect is in order that God's plan would have full effects. Your and my spiritual maturity. This is what James tells us God's up to in trials. Why is this happening, God? I don't understand. Well, what we can know is this, is that one of the reasons that it's happening is that God is making you more into the image of Jesus. He wants to make you more spiritually mature. Trials produce steadfastness. Steadfastness brings spiritual maturity. Maturity is cause for joy. Now we know, we, we know this, right? That's what James is saying. We know that this is what God is doing. Now we don't always see it though, do we? Right? We, we don't always see how this is actually making me more mature. We think this is hurting us. We think this is God taking something away from us. We think this is God being unfaithful to us. Yet the scriptures time and time again are saying that God is actually working all these things together for good, even when we don't see it. So what do we do when we don't understand? Keep reading verse 5. Come to our fourth imperative. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God offers wisdom for our trials, in our trials, to all who will ask in faith. So, so James tells us three things. First, what to do. We already said it, ask. You, you have a question? You're in a trial, you don't understand? God says, you lack wisdom? Ask me. Ask what? Ask for wisdom. That's the second thing he says. What do you ask for? Wisdom. What, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. So when we don't know what to do, when we don't know how, how to respond, we ask God for help. Help to uh, give us understanding of how our trials are good and, and how are they for his glory. And finally, he tells us how to ask in faith. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And here we have this, this, this uh, word picture of, of, of a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. In the Gospels, we read this story about Peter, who's out uh, in the boat. The disciples are in the boat. And Jesus comes walking on the water in the storm. Remember this story? And uh, Jesus says, you know, come out. And Peter starts to walk out to him. He's actually walking on the water. Uh, this miraculous moment. And then the scriptures say in Matthew uh, 14, that he, he saw the, the waves and the wind. He, he, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he saw the, the calamity that's happening around him and he began to sink. And God in grace reached out and grabbed him and they went back in the boat, right? But this, this is this image of of this this faithlessness, this inability to trust God in the moment, this double-mindedness, this instability or being unstable in all our ways. James is calling us to have a faith-based prayer that believes that God is good, that, that, that knows that God knows best, that knows that God is for us and not against us. The truth of the matter is that we may not always know the reason for our trials, that's not what we're here today to try to, to explain. I don't know the reason. For, to take a person like Job. There's no indication from the scriptures that Job understood what was going on. We get to see behind the scenes of, the, of Job's life. We get to hear the conversation that, that God has with, with, with Satan. We get to read later in the book of James, uh, James chapter 5, if you want to flip a few pages over. James writes this uh, about Job, chapter 5, verse 11, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So James was was interpreting some of the, the, the product and some of the reasoning behind the life of Job. But though Job did not know the purposes, he knew something about God. He knew that God was in it. He knew that God actually was for him. It's one of my favorite verses in the book of Job. Is Job chapter 23, verse 10. And Job says this. After saying, um, I've looked all over and I'm not seeing God. I look to the right, to the left, but he's not there. It doesn't feel like he's there. I'm in this and I don't see him. Right? Maybe some of us have, have experienced that. right? But then Job Reckons with himself by saying this, but talking about God, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Job had an understanding that though he did not see God, though he could not understand exactly what God was doing, he knew that God was for him, not against him. He knew that whatever this was, was ultimately going to bring him out better. And we would understand that today as more like Jesus. We can know that in our trials that God is in it, that he is with us, that he is for us, and that he's ultimately conforming us to his, the image of his son. Now, the idea that trials make us spiritually mature may not seem like much uh, consolation here and now. Right? When you're in the midst of, of a trial... Um, what, what we want is relief, right? That's what we all want. We want the trial to go away. Like that's the prayer. God, make this go away, right? If you're, if you're sick, make this go away. Uh, if, if you have a conflict, somehow resolve this, God, right? If you need money, God, somehow provide money, right? We want the relief and God does give relief. That's absolutely true. He does. Most, many of us have experienced answers to prayer where God has given relief. That's true. James here is saying that God's primary goal in trial is not relief, but it's spiritual maturity. Now that might not seem like much consolation. Um, It gives no assurance here that that there's going to be a change. So it might feel less than. but, But what if, what if our value, what we valued, was not so much earthly, as it was eternal. What then? What then? Would then spiritual maturity be a bit more of a a consolation, if you will? It it would uh, be a a bit of a, give us more hope? Uh, In verse 12, you look down to verse 12, 12, chapter 1, verse 12. James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God says, those who actually remain steadfast, those who go through the trial and what is produced in them is this patience, is this endurance that is having its full effects. There is reward to come. There's eternal reward to come. Verses 16 and 17 tells us this, that, that, that even if no matter what you think about what God is doing, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That what God is doing is good. But even more than that, what if God was at work in us, not for an easy life now, but for an eternal purpose to come. How would that change our outlook on our life, on our tribulations, on our trials? First Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul. Listen to these words. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I don't care how old you are. You can start to recognize the outward self is. It's falling apart on us, right? Paul is understanding that. And he's saying, while that's happening, what God is doing on the inside is renewing us. And then he says this, for this light momentary affliction. Now we just got done the book of Acts. And we understood some of the affliction that Paul went under. By any normal estimation, light and momentary would not be the description I would give to that. Right? Humanly speaking, you would not give that, that, that designation to his experiences. But he's not, he's not relating it to our experiences. He's relating to something far greater. For he says, For this light military affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So Paul is looking past this. He's not seeing this as it. He's not seeing all the, the the suffering and the affliction as the only thing in life. Just tolerating whatever God has put on my plate. He's seeing that, that this affliction does not compare to the weight of glory Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. Uh, they, they're, they're ephemeral. They're, they're temporary. They're, they're fleeting. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They're lasting. They're immortal. They're, they're infinite. Your life on earth is not Infinite. Eternal life is infinite. Things that are are eternal will last forever. So Paul says, what do you value? If you value this earth, then how you see your trials, there could never be joy in it. Because you expect, we expect that this life will be easy and, and happy and problem free. And Paul's saying, all of that... In comparison to the weight of glory that awaits us. Led with this classic quote from missionary Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. In light of what is to come, eternal life with God, may God give us grace to faithfully endure our trials. That his purposes may be done in us for his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to value what you value. To see what you see. To understand what you understand. That there is more than this. And that this is preparing us for something greater. And because we know that, because we understand that that you're at work behind all of this, we can have joy. We can have peace. We can be comforted by the reality that you're not against us, you're for us, and what you're doing is for our good and your glory. Would you help us to believe that, help us to live that way even this week? We pray for it in Jesus' name, amen.